The Guardian. Hello and welcome to this month's Sounds Jewish. In this month's podcast, is Sir Alan Sugar sweet for the Jews? Do you know what the word lachaim means? No. You don't? I'm not. I'm only half Jewish, Sir Alan. So why'd you put on here you're a good Jewish boy? Was it there to impress me? Building an alternative Jewish way of life, not at synagogue, but at home. We speak to the founders of the Moisha House. Plus, the joy of Kvetch, turning your complaints into song. What's unique about the Kvetch Choir is that all the complaints will come from Jews. Shalom, shalom. I'm Jason Solomons, and keeping me company here in the studio are freelance journalist Tanya Gold and former Apprentice semi-finalist, now LBC Radio presenter James Max. Welcome to you both. Tanya, you're looking a bit kvetchy. Uh, yeah, I've always got something to worry about. Uh, always casting around. I have a free-floating anxiety that will attach itself to almost anything. <laughs> James, do you like a kvetch every now and then? Well, to be honest, I didn't really know what a kvetch is, but uh, I presume it's somebody who just, I don't know, generally gets angry, cross, grumpy, and picks on pointless things in which to just get grumpy with. And that would be you? Um, I, I suppose I like having a really good complaint. Yes, I'll, yes, I'll admit it. I like having a good complaint. Yes, I'm a good Jewish boy. I love having a good complaint. There you go. I a kvetch out of you already. I think it's, I think it's inbuilt into our DNA. Excellent. Well, we'll be complaining a lot more uh, later in the show, but I don't know about you, but so far, one of the best bits of television this year has to be this. Foxed, Jennifer hands the hunt for the kosher chicken to Jenny and Michael. Excusez-moi, um, poulet. We want to get chicken. <laughs> <laughs> this is mental. <laughs> I mean, Michael, in your CV... What's the first thing you wrote on it? What did you say in there? You're a good Jewish boy, is that right? Yeah? Okay, yeah. Okay, well, you are or not? No, I'm a, I'm, I'm a nice Jewish boy, yeah. No, okay, because if you're unsure, you can always pull your trousers down where you can check. <laughs> is it right that you went to a Muslim halal butcher and asked him to get you a kosher chicken and, make, and, and, he, made a, and, and he actually made a prayer over it, is that right? That's correct. Aren't you embarrassed, Michael? No, I'm embarrassed, yeah. Do you know what the word l'chaim means? I know what the word schmuck means. Which is no, that. but do you know what the word l'chaim means? No. You don't? I'm not. I'm only half Jewish, Sir Alan. I'm... So why'd you put on here you're a good Jewish boy? Was it there to impress me? Was it some kind of thing for me to sympathise with you or treat you a little bit differently? Or no, I'm not that way no, So what'd you put it there for, then? You're either, you either are or you aren't. That's Alan Sugar there at the helm of BBC TV's The Apprentice, telling off Michael Sophocles, the good Jewish boy. Now, James Max, you were in the semi-final of The Apprentice, weren't you? That's right. First series, got to the semi-finals, uh, kicked out for being um, too capable, and um, he didn't really have a job for me. <laughs> Which is a bit of a... a, bit of a, a it's slightly different from being almost, or, or not kicked out, for being a complete idiot. Yeah, but you would have known what a kosher chicken was. Like, you look like a man who's had a kosher chicken or two in his life. Or 30. Uh, of course, listen... <laughs> To be honest, anybody of any reasonable background or upbringing, if you don't have an appreciation of different kinds of religious um, daily speak, then that is appalling. And to be honest, most people know what a kosher chicken means. They might not necessarily know all the details. They know it's killed in a certain way, and they'd probably assume that a rabbi might be involved somewhere along the line. Well, and even if you take that, then 
to to go to a Muslim halal butcher, you should know what halal meat is, even if you're a Jew. What was your thoughts, Tanya, when you saw him going over, over to the halal butcher in Marrakesh and saying, can you get me a kosher chicken, him not knowing the kosher chicken? I thought at first perhaps he was joking, but perhaps he was testing out one of his, uh, uh, you know, co... Uh, what do they call them? Co-apprentices or comp- competitors to see if they, they were going to show themselves up. Well, I actually thought it was kind of sweet. Um, you what? Well, you know, it's, they're important things in life, and I'm not sure that knowing that a chicken is kosher, if you're not a practising Jew, is really one of them. I mean, I, I come from a family of uh, cultural Jews, so we're not very observant, and my grandmother fell out with her kosher butcher because he was overcharging her and started going to the halal butcher instead. But she knew where she was going. Yes, but there are lots of things that people there is a don't difference. know. Did you know that giraffes are kosher? I didn't know that giraffes uh, uh, are kosher. <laughs> we get blessed by a chief rabbi, I suppose. It could probably get as kosher as, as Michael Sophocles managed. Did you and Sir Alan ever have a little Jewish moment? Well, we did have a Jewish moment, but it was an off-air Jewish moment. And it was an off-air Jewish moment because Sir Alan stepped in uh, because we were filming, and during that time, it was Yom Kippur. I said, look, one thing I would like to do is just at least go and say hello to the family or anything else. I just felt it was appropriate to at least do something. And all the producers were going, no, 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 you can't do it. You can't leave the confines. You agreed to this. And I said, well, I didn't actually, but there we go. And then Sir Alan stepped in and he said, actually, if he wants to go away for an hour, you producers sort it and just take someone with him to make sure he doesn't cheat or anything else. So I went off for an hour and went and spent some time with family at the time. And I fasted during the task, I think. Um, but but I think you know, I would never want to make... Uh, something either positive or negative about you know something like being Jewish. I, yes, of course, it's something to be celebrated, you know, within your family or within your being. I don't think it's something to try and get one-upmanship. I don't like that. Does that I, not happen in the world of business? Of course, it does to an extent, but but I would prefer to do business with people or get involved with people because they are the right people to get involved with, not because of who they are. Uh, there is no doubt that, that I watched the show without you know, thinking that Sir Alan is a, is a Jew. There's a Jew on the screen. We, we think every time anyone comes on the screen who's Jewish, you always think, there's a Jew on the screen. And Sir Alan dominates Tuesday, Wednesday nights on BBC One. Is he a, a good Jewish role model? Are, is everyone else in the country thinking, there's a Jew up there pointing fingers? Um... I think he might be the most Jewish person in the world at the moment. Alan is, is I called him Alan, I mean Sir Alan is, is, is top Jew. He's actually, I don't know whether you know this because you're a member, he's actually a bit of a sex god. I know so many Jewish women what on who want to be in the boardroom with Sir Alan on their own. Why? I think he's a fantastic role model. I mean, he's certainly a lot more interesting than the chief rabbi. He's even a bit more interesting than Howard Jacobson. So, but he's, he's, sec- he's a sexy Jewish role model. Yeah, I think he's very say. sexy. What? What attracts you to the eight hundred million, eight hundred pound millionaire Sir Alan Sugar? Um, I think he's very funny. I think. Well, no. Well, actually, I like him because he's rude. Can he's, I tell you something? He's rude. Those boardrooms are filmed over the course of between two and four hours. Inevitably, within that space of time, you are going to find one or two funny lines. I assure you, sitting in there for the length of it, it's not all laughs. Is it true that his email address is sirallensugar at sirallensugar.com? No, but it is true that he signs off his emails, Sir Alan. Really? And what if you don't call him Sir Alan? Uh, He frowns at you, he doesn't like it. (laughs) 
ask young Jewish people how they feel about being Jewish, and many will reply that they feel alienated and disengaged, at least from organised religious life centred on the synagogue. But all that may be changing with the growing popularity of the Moisha House, a grassroots community project that spread from Washington to Warsaw via Buenos Aires and Vienna, and which has now arrived in London. In a suburban house that looks like any other, five housemates are reinventing Jewish ceremony, Jewish study, and even the whole idea of what a Jewish community is, with a little help from their friends. David Lasserson went to explore the Moisha House, London. My name's Joel, Joel Stanley, and I am 28 years old, and I am a Jewish educator and theatre maker. They're all called Moisha Houses because um, Moisha is the Hebrew name of uh, Morris Bear Squire. He's the philanthropist who funds this whole idea. I mean, it's his, it, it's his radical idea that people will create the best kind of structures and programs if they're just given the money to do so. So he's invested a huge amount of money and he doesn't know what. He just says yes to people's, people's projects. And each house can hold whatever events it likes. I mean, we have a kind of contract with our funders that we have to do a certain number of events a month, seven plus, and an event is anything with more than three residents. I'm also here with Rachel Rose Reed. <laughs> um, Rachel, how did you first hear about the house? I was living somewhere very nice, but the thing that was missing was the sense of community that I was looking for, and I was looking for the sense of community, um, a holistic way of living, but I wasn't expecting it to come from the Jewish community because there were no particular models that I could see of that existing within London. A lot of people who've said to us that this is something that they've not found in their Jewish life before, and it's something they felt had been missing. Tell us how the, how the, the, the Jewish year is marked in this house. Well, the most um, regular thing that we have is um, a month, a new moon event, Rosh Chodesh, which is the, uh, the head of the month. Um, so, so whenever it's a new moon, we have a gathering of people here, and we, um, we do various kind of exercises um, to, to set our intentions for the for the new moon and to connect with what that month is about according to kind of Kabbalistic symbolism, according to that stream of Jewish mysticism. And we've also had things around the festivals as well. And we've held um, artistic and cultural events here as well. So there was one evening when we converted the whole house into an art gallery. We had different works of art from different young Jewish artists in different rooms. We had a, a sculpture of a dismantled bus in our dining room. We had video installations projected across the wall and ceiling of Rachel's bedroom. So... Um, yeah, you know, those kind of cultural events, and, and I've held my Jewish theatre group, Merkava. Um, we've held our rehearsals here, and we've performed our play, Yeshiva of the Absurd, in our living room as well. We get different types of people who come here, certainly. We have people wearing kippot, people who identify as orthodox. Um, we have people who identify as secular and their Jewish identity is, is really cultural. 
primarily. So, you know, we've brought people from all of the different streams and people who don't identify with any. Um, I think that's a great strength. I'm Jessica. Uh, I, I think there's something very special about having an event in someone's home. It's really different to sort of um, a synagogue hall or uh, a bar. You know, everyone is sort of sitting a bit uncomfortably on cushions. You know, people are more willing to sort of chat to each other. You feel as if you sort of own it. So we're going on. I'm afraid it's another film, but it's, 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 it's shorter and it's, it's still quite weird. Um, <laughs> we made an apology for our weirdness, really. Um, my name is Joseph Finlay, I'm 27. There have been surprises just how much people want it and how much people do treat it as their community. People say, this is my community, this is my shawl, and that is a, and that is a real, real factor, and people come again and again and feel a certain loyalty to it. We're here to offer an alternative. We're here to give people who are not entirely happy with traditional models of community and traditional synagogues another way of doing things, and I think that's shown that people actually want that very much, so I think it's worked really well. David Lasserson there, reporting on the first Moisha House in London. And if you'd like to go and visit the Moisha House or even attend one of their parties, for any information about the Moisha House, visit our webpage, www.guardian.co.uk slash podcast. One of the great things about Yiddish is its expressive use of language, like schmerl or broigus, words that you can translate, schmerl being an idiot and broigus being a big row, but which never sound quite as satisfying in English. One of my favourites is kvetch, which means to complain, but in a shruggy kind of way, in a way that the world is on your shoulders, in a way that needs rubbing of the head and rubbing of the back and kind of oying and ahhing. Kvetching is something we do that is part of the Jewish lexicon. But if you were to put all of these fetches to music and perform them as a choir, how would it sound? It's exactly what the Jewish Community Centre for London, the JCC, are doing with the help of composer Johnny Berliner, who started his research into the art of fetching by strolling along where else? Golders Green High Street. I'm Johnny Berliner, we're just here in Golders Green collecting fetches for the, the JCC Kvetch Choir. So I'm going to be the composer, I'm, I'm just getting an idea of all the different kvetches that I might have to incorporate into an operatic song. Complaints choirs started in Helsinki and uh, they've taken off as a cult phenomenon uh, via YouTube and spread across the world. Birmingham has one, Hamburg has one and uh, mainly the complaints uh, are very mundane from uh, not being able to park to uh, things costing too much in shops. For instance, Birmingham's chorus was I want my money back. My life is a cul-de-sac. I want my money back. My job's like a cul-de-sac. And the bus is to infrequent at 6.30. I don't pay any more. Life was good before. And I'm thirsty. What's unique about the Kvetch Choir is that all the complaints will come from Jews. Jews, of course, being the best complainers in the world. So what is a kvetch? A kvetch is a low-level complaint, uh, normally involving Jewish hand gestures. A low-level kvetch will just use the word oi. Uh, uh, to up the intensity, you might go for oi vey. 
There's three stages to the Kvetch Choir. The first stage is the collection of Kvetches. The second stage is the rehearsal of song. And then the final performance. I'm really expecting all kinds of complaints. I'm hoping for some really good mundane ones because mundane complaints set to operatic song sound ridiculous. And uh, humour is one of the central things of a Kvetch Choir. Um, but of course, we need to get out the really big complaints. That's, uh, that's really at the heart of what the Kvetch Choir is about. It's community therapy. We need to get our gripes out there. We need everyone to listen, but mainly we need to not take them too seriously. Excuse me there. Have you got anything you want to get off your chest? I mean, do, do, does your mum try and feed you too much? I guess uh, my dad is too Jewish. He's too overprotective. And uh, he, he kind of acts like I'm still a child. Thank you very much. That's a great fetch. Excuse me, sir. We're just... Uh, nope. Nope. <laughs> Apparently Jews are quite reticent to uh, kvetch today. <laughs> okay, we're at a falafel uh, takeaway uh, stall. We've got a Jewish uh, school schoolboy here. Have you got anything, and it could be absolutely anything, to complain about? I've got plenty to complain about. First of all, Oyster's gone down to year to 11. You have to be 11. Can you imagine that? Responsibilities from 11. Who does that? Also in school, what is up with the teachers and coffee breath? It's disgusting. They should at least have extra gum or something. What the hell? They stink. Stink. I think we need this guy on the team. He's got more kvetch than the rest of Golders Green put together. Any more? This is because I'm from Stanford Hill. That's why you have to travel all the way. What's up? I'm telling you, some friends are so unloyal, yeah? You tell them, oh, you know, I come here to Golders Green all the time. I schlep from Stanford Hill all the way to Golders Green. For once, you can come to Stanford Hill. You can take the hours, Joni, and I can relax at home. That's what I've got to say. This is a man with a lot on his plate. So, so Zev, do you, do you ever get a chance to uh, really let these complaints out in school or at home? Of course, I'm a very loud person. It's like I don't have that thing in my head which stops me from saying things I think. It comes out, that's it, deal with it. I can believe that. So we've, we've heard kvetches from young and old. What have we learnt? We've learnt that Jews like to pretend everything is okay, but really with a bit of prodding, there's plenty to moan about. So if that's got your kvetch juices flowing, then why not email us your kvetches and come along to the choir rehearsals, which start on June the 16th and run until the kvetch choir debut on the 7th of July. See the Sounds Jewish webpage for more details at guardian.co.uk slash podcasts. Oh, I love having a good kvetch sometimes. Only, not all the time, but most days there's always something that's got my goat. Uh, Tanya, are you, are you generally someone who likes to get it off your chest? Um, yes, I'm a whinger. I, I usually start my day by, I open my eyes and I realise I'm still alive and I go, oh God, why aren't I married? <laughs> is, is that, is, are, are you serious? Do you, do you start on a bad note and go, from, and go from sort of bad to good? I'm generally quite a happy person, but after the day's rigours, then, then I find the kvetches build up. No, no, I'm, up. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the other, I'm the way, I come from the type of Jewish family where life is dangerous, it's dangerous out there. Life is something dangerous to be feared. And it's going to take you away from, I mean, uh, James, you, I mean, you have radio shows, you, 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 you generally, uh, you, you invite people to complain. I invite people to complain, and I have to say, it is the most cathartic experience 
experience, being able to air some thoughts, get something off your chest, and then actually to have a really good argument because people will inevitably disagree with some of what you have to say and they will try and catch you out and you've got to be on your toes. But it means that, of course, when I get home, that there isn't actually that much to complain about. Do you think, uh, Tanya, that there is a difference between normal complaining and Jewish complaining? Yes, a subtle but important difference. Mm, What is it? I think Gentiles like to complain about traffic and taxes. What do Jews like to complain about? Well, we have... I think because in our history we've had so much more to complain about. I mean, today it might be, oh, God, the Qs, but before it was like, oh, God, the Cossacks. That I like to think that there is is a richness and a depth and a a history to to our complaints. But I think you've missed the key element here, though. And the key element is that, as a Jew, you are always right. There is absolutely I am, no I'm semblance. always right. But you see, You're as right. a Gentile, right. there is a perception that somebody else may not necessarily agree with your complaint. However, as a Jew, I'm sorry, I am right. No, this queue really is too long. No, 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 no really, it is. Don't you think the world of in service industries, which Britain has become uh, in, in following America and somewhere like that, that, the world has got more Jewish in terms of its complaint that people complain about service. You go into those restaurant review sites, everybody was rating the service and saying the service is bad. I don't think that non-Jews ever complained about service People before. could People could learn a heck of a lot from the Jews if they just listened. Not only on business. I think the Jews are terrific at business because it is a about giving service, giving value, giving quality. But my goodness me, complaining when you don't get it and improving on it. Because I think the Americans have really taken the best aspects of Jewish complaining and conversion into good business practice and the Brits just haven't. There's an old Jewish man, he's sitting in a restaurant and he calls the waiter over and he says... Taste the soup. And the waiter says, there's something wrong with the soup. So he says, taste the soup. He says, what's wrong with the soup? So do you don't like it? Is it too hot? He says, taste the soup. He says, is it too cold, sir? He says, taste the soup. And he says, all right, I'll taste the soup. Where's your spoon? Aha! Says the old man. The waiter goes over to a group of women dining in a kosher restaurant and says, ladies, is anything all right? <laughs> I'm sorry, do you want to pay off? <laughs> To make a really good fetch, you need an accompanying gesture, you need something to go with it. What do you use, James? Um, I'd probably revert to the default shrugging of shoulders, I would have thought. I'd try and hide it, but it, it, See, I'm looking at you today and you've been using the hands a lot, much more than the I shoulders. Use a, I use a lot of... There's a lot of hand action. The give me the finger, he's been giving the finger. What do you use, Tony? I use the wobble. I'm sorry? I use the wobble. It's peculiar to Jewish women, usually. Uh, you bunch your hands up around your ears and you wobble... Like this. Oh, wow. You can't hear it, but you can see it. And and if if properly administered, it will also come with a a real wobble of the mouth. The mouth goes slack. Excellent. Tanya, on that note, that sounds... You've taken the art of Kvetch almost into the art of heart attack, which I think is exactly where Kvetch should be. That is all we've got time for in this month's Sounds Jewish. Thanks to my very lively guests, Tanya Gold and James Max, and, of course, to our sponsors, the Jewish Community Centre for London. From me, Jason Solomons, goodbye. Oi, I've got a pain in my back. Can you someone help me with this? Ah, this is too heavy. Shalom, shalom. For more great downloads, go to guardian.co.uk forward slash audio.